Welcome to episode 104, Gump Runners Podcast, Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law. We're back here after taking a week off, and man, glad, glad we decided to take the week off, because I don't know if me and J-Law would have been, been able to find the time to record. I know flu and strep ran through my household, J-Law, his wife, his little girl, strep, flu, ear infections, the whole nine yards. J-Law, how's the family doing? Yeah, at this point, I'm just I'm just hoping I don't get it. Can't, Christmas already got canceled, so if I can't watch the game with people, I'm going to be absolutely pissed. So, trying to make sure I don't get the flu. I mean, it's been like 17 days of hell in my house, so I'm glad everybody's getting over it. Yeah, um, I'm still battling some sinus congestion, so if I had to lean away from the microphone to cough. Y'all, y'all just bear with me. Um, so I haven't talked a ton uh, with all this stuff, but gosh, I'm on a steroid pack. I got a steroid shot today. I'm I'm just filled up with steroids, trying to get this over. And um, but nonetheless, Alabama's currently out in California preparing for the Rose Bowl against the Michigan Wolverines. Um, a lot to go over here, guys. Michigan, this is a game that's it's different. Um, it's hard to it's hard to pick because on paper. Alabama's talent is far superior to Michigan's. Then you start breaking it down. You see Michigan's got a big lineup, big roster. Just about every single one is a fourth, fifth, or sixth-year senior. And these guys are are crazy experienced along the offensive line, defensive line, experienced quarterback, running back, you name it. They've got – you know, I think there's like one sophomore or something like that on the starting – on the starting 22. Um, So – Tons of experience versus tons of talent um, versus inexperience in, in a lot of positions for Alabama. You know, new quarterback, a um, couple of fresh offensive linemen never never played in a game like this. Um, true freshman safety. So there'll be some spots for Alabama where inexperience can play a factor, but the talent level is certainly there. Um, the experience level and seniority is certainly there for the Michigan Wolverines. Um, lot going on. Quarter, Jim Harbaugh's trash talking Jalen Milrow. Um, Harbaugh can leave for the NFL. There's a lot of distractions going on in Michigan. So we got a lot to we got a lot to, to delve into here, guys. Um what <clears throat> my biggest question and the one I want to jump into real quick, and I know a lot of people listening to this might not understand the X's and O's, so I'm not tr- gonna try to get too detail-oriented with it. Um, Michigan runs something called a 22 personnel. Now you have your 10, 11, and 12 personnel, which is really the the number of tight ends and, and running backs you have in the game. Well, 22 personnel is two tight ends and two running backs. And it's something that you don't really see a lot of in college football, um, especially power five, uh, big time college football. Um, and so Alabama runs a lot of four two five, uh, four down linemen, two interiors, and then of course Chris Brazel and Dallas Turner counting as down linemen as well. Two linebackers, usually Deontay Lawson, Jihad Campbell, or Trez Marshall, whoever, and then five DBs. In this game, if they do that, I think they're in big, big trouble. I don't see that holding up against a seven, eight-man blocking scheme for Michigan. So my first question, J-Law, what is what does the defense look like for Bama going against this prominent Michigan run game? J.J. McCarthy has not been effective in the passing game recently because he hasn't had to be. They've won games on the ground. They've dominated. They just kind of wear and tear on you. They just lean on you, lean on you, lean on you, and then, bam, try to bust a big play, um, find a crease, turn into a big gain. So if you're Kevin Steele here, what what do you do defensively to try to combat that? 
Yeah, I think Alabama can get back in it in its old school base from the early early saving days where every time you play in the SEC now, I mean, like you said, you're playing a team that's got a tight end running back four wide, whatever that might be. Now you're kind of going back to the early 07, 08, 09, where you're facing a lot of teams with two tight ends, a fullback, running back, whether it's the two backs or a fullback, running back, whatever Michigan does. One of those guys is going to be a lead blocker for the other one. So you can kind of get back into your old school base that, that Saban likes to do. Right now, your base is always going to be, be a nickel, essentially. Anytime you line up the play well against Michigan, you can get in your old school three, four. You can rely on, if you feel like you got two lockdown corners, you can kind of rely on your guys to feel like that they can shut down the outside. You can play with more of a box safety here. So expect Caleb Allen's to have a, a fun day for Alabama flying all over the place. But I definitely think Alabama, with their depth at linebacker, right now we've seen so many guys get quality reps. You have guys that you feel like can set the edge against this running game to try to contain things in the middle. And to me, I, listen, I know Alabama doesn't play teams that do this a lot these days just because of modern-day college football. But, man, if you're Alabama and you're thinking, okay, we can play this game in a phone booth with our athletes, with the size of our defensive line, with with your outside linebackers being guys that are actually really good in the run game, by the way, both Braswell and Turner. Um, I, I think you feel really good about it. You're going to see way less of, in my opinion, you're not going to have any 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 stars or money guys out there in this game. So you can kind of sit back in, in your old school Nick Saban-based defense and, and predicate it on, on stopping the run. And – I don't know if you guys know, Michigan's offense since the Connor Stallions stuff came out has been putrid. I mean, they went from scoring 45 points yeah, a game. They, they haven't even tried right to throw now. the ball. Yeah, they haven't even yeah. tried to throw the ball. And listen, and, and hats off to them because they what did they they did not throw the ball a single time against Penn State in the second half, or maybe it was one time in the second half against Penn 60, State. He threw for 60 yards against Penn State. That's a that's yeah, a top and, 10 team on the road. Right. And so and they really didn't try in the second half, though. So, I mean, hats off to them for being able to do that. But is this a game where J.J. McCarthy is going to be able to rely on his receivers to get one-on-one -on -one separation against Kool-Aid and Terion? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, so, I, th I think Nick Saban's kind of licking his chops in this game. But just looking at Michigan, listen, against, against Power 5, so take out all the trash games. They're the, like, top five scoring offense, top five scoring defense. In America, this is a good football team, as Chase mentioned, an experienced football team, but they also haven't played teams like Alabama. Even Ohio State, I don't think that with Kyle McCord at quarterback, they are like Alabama. So I think it's going to be a tough test for Michigan. But I think Nick Saban and Kevin Steele really kind of like what they see on tape right here. Yeah, that's what's so hard to when I you know I was trying to predict this game. Of course, we'll, we'll give our prediction or score prediction at the end, but it's like Michigan's seen nothing like Alabama on offense, and Bama's seen nothing like Alabama on offense. But you know, I like your point there, J Law. The original three four. That's what that's what I would like to see too. Um, I worry about Turner and Braswell versus tackles. Uh, I, I like them versus tight ends where they can set the edge, but you got to get them on the edge to do that. The only reason you know, or the only way you can do that is if you can get another down lineman in the middle, you have your legit three, four look with maybe uh, probably a Boyd B Keenan and uh, Otis, 
your, you know, your beefiest guys in there and then put Turner and Braswell on the edge, uh, hopefully against tight ends. And, um, and then, you know, Lawson and Trez or Jihad, whoever, um, in the middle there, I feel a lot better about it. If that's what they choose to do. That's what, that's what I plan to see. Lester, how do you think this, uh, this, um, how do you think Kevin Steele is going to attack this, this big Michigan offense? I mean, as soon as Alabama make the playoff, um, Kevin Steele and, and Nick Saban, two blood and guts, old school guys, like, they had to be foaming at the mouth. Oh, my gosh, we can play base through. Like, no spread, no motions, no RPOs. Can you imagine how probably relieved they felt? Well, here's and- the thing. Here's the thing. And, I, you know, I thought that originally, too. I was guilty of that. But, dude, if this if it was 2011 <laughs> – Oh yes! Oh yeah! Oh, yeah. This yeah, yeah. game, this game might be thirty points it might in be favor seven. of Alabama, but it, we've recruited differently up there. I'm not saying that your front seven isn't good, but it's nothing like what you had whenever you were facing Power Eye every week. I mean, the, and, the and, teams that shut down Leonard Fournette for 31 yards and all that stuff, man. Right. It's a different kind of team, kind of makeup along the defensive line. And I, ha- I have, I have a good point to make here too. If this was Pete Golding, I'd feel completely different. The mindset of the defense has completely shifted. It has completely changed. You know, this ain't frat boy Pete, you know, oh, yeah, okay, you know, whatever, you messed up, all right, give him the next play. No, this is Kevin Steele's going to get in your ass and chew your ass out if you screw up. Like, I truly believe that this is a tough defense, and the Michigan offense will play into their hands. Now, of course, like I said, they haven't recruited to – perfectly stop this their offense but i believe that it truly plays into um bama's hands for sure i mean going back to you know three um three down linemen maybe three four four three um they kind of can get back to what it is and i really don't see how michigan is going to be successful um a lot to to scare Alabama, if that's what I just I I I just see Michigan offense struggling um, to do much of anything in this game. So right now, I do. Excuse me. Yeah. Um. I I mean, yeah. I think if you had to pick one, you, you definitely look for the the Michigan offense to struggle more than Alabama's. But um, we'll get into that in a little bit later. Since we kind of agree on the same thing, um, J-Law, if, if Bama does go to the legit 3-4, you have to have a DB come off. Um, you've got two corners and two safeties, where Alabama usually has two corners, two safeties, and a star position. Malachi Moore has been at that star position for most of the year. Do you take Jalen Key out and kind of let Malachi run free and let Downs kind of make plays at the line of scrimmage, or do you maybe put Downs at free safety and, uh, and put Malachi uh, around the line of scrimmage, or – do you leave Key in, in there and take Malika off? How do you play that in your back end? I just think Downs is so physical. How yeah. he yep. doesn't give up bad angles when trying to make plays at the line of scrimmage. You rarely see him take a, you know, that's tough to do, man. You got a running back making a cut at the line. You're flying up from a safety spot. And the amount of tackles that he hasn't missed, just based off of that, tells me that, I mean, they really trust Caleb Downs coming into the box. Obviously, he's the team's leading tackler, but just as a young guy in this game, you feel comfortable with him being able to come up and make a play against Blake Corum. And I know Jalen Key and, heck, even Amos, both of our two G5 transfers, played really well against Georgia. But throughout the year, man, 
Jalen Key was in the Iron Bowl, especially Jalen Key just really let me down. Gave up a couple big plays. It was the reason why they got that first big run. Um, so I, I would expect, like, I know you want your best dudes on the field, but do you actually take Jalen Key out, who's been who's been at that starting safety spot all year, and use Malachi Moore, who started off as you know a, a safety. I think he's played even like a little slot corner for for. I mean, so I don't know what you do with Malachi Moore in this ball game obviously he's a veteran guy he's a guy who's been playing for four years like you really would like him out there but i'm not sure how you how you handle that but i do know you want caleb downs playing in the box and um and i think that helps caleb a little bit too it, it helps him not have to to think as much to, to think about coverages if he knows he's gonna be playing in the box for a lot of the game and you also trust him yeah, I think I'm going to go with getting Key out of the game too. What you made about Auburn or what you said about Auburn makes a lot of sense. Jalen Key did not play the run game very well. He had, he had very bad angles, contrary to what you said about Caleb Downs. But um, yeah, and maybe there might be some situations. I'm not saying every single time when you're in man, maybe you let uh, Malachi play off the ball and cover a tight end. That way you don't have to rely on linebackers to do it. You know, you kind of let Downs play free and, you know, Lawson has a has maybe a tight end responsibility to his side, and then you just let Trez just run blitz. You know, hey, this is a gap. You're going here no matter what. And then you let Malachi handle the man-to-man and drop one free. So, you know, or Downs too. You know, he he's a, he's good enough to cover a tight end as well. So, I mean, there's, there's plenty of things you can do with Key not in the game, but I don't think Malachi Moore, a guy who's played a ton of football, played play more football than anybody on this defense for Alabama, started since 2020. And um, you definitely don't take a guy like that off the field. So I think it's going to be Jalen Key. Lester, what do you think? Yeah, i definitely go with your um... – you got Penny's boy, Malachi. I definitely play that guy. Penny's boy. Lester loves Penny's him boy. some Penny now. But I have a point about Jalen Key. Um, He hasn't impressed me this year to justify playing him over Malachi. He's kind of been a liability. Like, like anytime you've heard Jalen Key's name this year, he's kind of been hurt or he's been blown up and given up a big play. You know what I mean? Dude, dude got a pick against Middle Tennessee, and I was like, oh, he got it. an all-SEC safety, and then nothing. <laughs> yeah. no, no, just to go up the road from UAB. <laughs> nothing special. Yeah, well, I think Saban might have whiffed on that guy. Um, but but yeah, I I I definitely play um Penny on the back on the on the back end and put my boy Caleb in the box. Did you just say I'm gonna play play Penny on the back end? No, play uh Malachi. Jeez, put Malachi on the <laughs> back end. And uh boy's got penny yeah. on his mind. And definitely put um Caleb in the box. Yeah, I I love the idea. And I I don't I wouldn't mind, you know, like you said, having you know downs play against the tight end or a bigger player. I I I think that even if Michigan has a size advantage in some positions, I don't think they'll be able to exploit it. Um, as much as you know, normally would because I trust our super freaks that we have on defense, though. J Law, as a Bama fan, we we know plenty about pre playoff distractions, especially in the coaching changing department and rumor department. Um, Michigan's dealing with all the distractions right now. Alabama Coleman Hustler is going to Miss State to be the defense coordinator. That's not huge. Uh, Alabama's doesn't have 
people knocking on their coordinators' doors every night, calling them, bugging them. Um, that's Michigan. Um, Michigan's dealing with the rumor that Harbaugh is going to go to the NFL. Alabama just hired their linebacker coach. Um, NCAA just handed them a notice of recruiting violations. Um, they're still dealing dealing with some Connor Stallion stuff. So there's a lot going on over there. Um, what factor does this play into the Rose Bowl for Michigan, do you think? Especially when, when maybe they're not used to having something like this. So, you know, when this happens to Alabama, Nick Saban has had this happen so many times. He can handle it as good as possible, the best he knows, which is really better than anybody because it's happened to him more than anybody. But this isn't something that Michigan has had to deal with so tell me what kind of factor this plays into the game and the preparation for the game. Yeah, Michigan, I mean, they they got a lot of stuff going on at one time. And yeah, uh, I don't know, man. It just feels like they they've embraced playing the villain. I mean, even Jim Harbaugh in his uh, kind of his number one seed acceptance speech started thanking God and this and that. And I'm just like, dude, you were literally like, you're you're the head coach at Michigan. You cannot plead ignorance on the Connor Stallions thing. You know what's going on. You're the head coach at Michigan. You cannot play the play. You can't plead ignorance on all the recruiting violations and everything. I just feel like they they are just kind of sneakily playing the villain. They like it. The attention's on them, but it is a lot of distractions. And for Alabama, for the first time in a long time, they've made the college football playoff. They don't have six coaches leaving. They don't have. I mean, like even winning it in 2020, Sark's gone. I mean, like, fortunately, we just kicked Pete Golding out. Nobody really wanted him. But, like, we just had so many dudes leaving. I mean, Huff was leaving. All these guys were leaving. Well, right now, you got Coleman Hutzler leaving to go be Jeff Levy's D.C., and that's about it. And what more can you teach Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell at this point in the season? Absolutely nothing. Go get the quarterback. So, pretty pleased about that. But Michigan's got a lot going on. And uh, I, I honestly think they're a little scared right now. They know that they don't – they don't have the tape on Alabama. If you go back and you talk, listen to Sonny Dykes talk about how they changed all their signs before they played Michigan in the playoffs last year, and then Michigan couldn't get a stop on defense because they didn't know what TCU was running. I think I think that uh, kind of speaks volumes. So Alabama's got plenty of time to change up some signs to, to try to throw Michigan off because we do know that Connor Stallions bought tickets to Alabama games, Tennessee games, and a lot of the Clemson games the last couple of years to try to steal some signs. So um, they, there's just a lot going on at Michigan. Uh, and we'll see how they handle it. And I, the biggest distraction is our coach won't sign his extension and about seven or eight NFL teams want Jim Harbaugh. And I think they should. He's a good coach. Jim Harbaugh's issue has been he, every time he makes the playoffs, he's running up against kind of like Lincoln Riley was. He's got a team whose roster doesn't stack up against the SEC teams that he's going to play. So there's a lot of distractions there. I mean, that's kind of my, I'm interested to see how they kind of bounce back from those. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I think it plays a bigger factor than than people are thinking. I'm not saying it's huge, humongous, but if you're hardball, you're sitting there, you're taking calls from the NFL, obviously, because rumors don't start flying unless you're taking calls. And, you know, if you're a player, this guy's sitting here trying to prepare you for a playoff game and you go home and cut on ESPN and talk about how he's going to leave. And then Brian Kelly is going to be your coach. And you're like, what, what's going on? And, um, and so I think that plays a little factor into how much, you know, they're actually paying attention and prepping. I mean, of course they want to win. It is the playoff, but at, at the same time, kids are funny like that. 
and uh, I can't explain it, but but they are. And then um, if you're Harbaugh, like you're trying to win the game, and then Nick Saban, the greatest college football coach of all time, hires a, a guy from your staff like three four weeks before you play him, and so to please try to tell me that that's not weighing on his mind. It's not like this guy was going to finish the season as a Michigan staffer. No, he's in Tuscaloosa right now or California, excuse me. So you're telling me that he's not giving Saban as much insight as he can. Uh, Of course he is. And so I think it plays a a little bit bigger role than maybe people who brush it off think so. Um, Like I said, I don't think it's going to play a huge factor in the game. But I, I'm I'm pretty sure that it's caused some some sleepless nights for Jim Harbaugh and maybe even some of his players thinking their coach is going to go to the NFL. Lester, what do you think about all that? Yeah, it's it's certainly interesting to see how it's happened to another team for once. I mean, seemingly every year, every time Alabama has a big game, the staff is just getting raided. And you can see that, you can see the fruits of that now when you look at how many former staffers are, DCs, head coaches all over the country. So for that to be happening with Michigan and all of the stuff they have going on, um, I like it before we got before we started recording, I was telling you how much um trash talk was coming from Michigan and Harbaugh. So I cannot believe that quote that he said about Jalen Miro. And I said that. They're, I mean, they have nothing to lose. Harbaugh probably knows he's going to the NFL. He probably doesn't care. I mean, they're literally playing with house money right now. So with all the distractions going around that program, um, all the controversy, all the you know coaches leaving, you know, Harbaugh's hopefully going to the NFL or whatever, it's nice to see someone else deal with those distractions. And I truly believe that that team is being affected by that because it's hard not to be. You know what I mean? You can focus on the game all you want to, but still, things surrounding your organizations can sometimes creep in, and sometimes they'll just go. So we'll see how this Michigan team um, handles that type of adversity. Last question I have for you guys before we get into more of the game breakdown. Um, J-Lo, I, I was a strong believer before the SEC championship game that Georgia's strength of schedule hurt them versus Alabama. Um, they hadn't had to play in a big time game yet. Um, Michigan is sort of in that same boat. Their opponent win percentage is 52% compared to Alabama's 62%, um, which is significant when you talk about it, their opponent's win loss percentage or win percentage. Um, they played Ohio State in a big game, but it was at home. Uh, they beat top 10 Penn State on the road, but you know, I think Penn State was a lot of smoke this year, but. With the month to prepare for this game, do you take that into consideration, or does it mean less regarding to strength of schedule? Does it mean less since there's more time to prep? No, I don't think it means less at all. I I think it you you face the challenges of the year, and it's tough for teams who listen. We we know that the talent differential from the teams that they're playing right. Nebraska, God, is this the first five-star they've landed in 15 years with Dylan Riola? I mean, Rutgers, they may not be a four-star recruit on Rutgers' team. I mean, just I'm just going through this. Minnesota, 
TJ Fleck, I know there's not a four-star on their team. Indiana, God. Michigan State fired their coach because he was getting phone sex hand jobs. Purdue, their coach left last year to go coach Louisville. What are they doing? Zach Eady's – if the best player on your campus is Zach Eady, you're not a good football team. Penn State sucks. I'm sorry, dude. James Franklin has never won a big game. They struggle at Maryland. Okay, the equivalent to that is Alabama struggling against Auburn. I'll give them a break. Maryland and Auburn on the same playing field, playing a game tomorrow or the next day against each other. And Ohio State, who I thought was pretty average all year, too, for the most part. So the talent – oh, I forgot. They also got to play Iowa, who has nobody on their team either. Now, listen, they, they, they beat all these schools, but the point is there's not any talent on these teams that they're playing. They squeaked out quite a few wins over the last month of the year. Their, their conference is awful. So when they run up against a team who, to, who has been battle-tested – who has played better competition, who has better athletes. I just think that Michigan, they obviously they haven't seen a team like Alabama. They haven't seen a team with as much talent as Alabama outside of Ohio State, who is also, again, a team that's not battle-tested all year going into the final week of the year. I, I think this. I think even with a month to prepare, I'm not sure how that would help Michigan in the situation. If anything, it helps Alabama, a team that is battle-tested, who faces legitimate NFL competition week in and week out get ready uh, for a big game like this. And Michigan's a team like, dude, they've been playing a bunch of slow white dudes all year. Alabama's only got a couple slow white dudes and they play offensive line. There ain't another white dude on the team that plays. I mean, like, you're, you're going to have a lot of trouble with Alabama and, and the speed of this ball game. You know, I'm going to go slightly in the opposite direction as you, J-Law. I, I don't I... – I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence. I, I don't think it the strength of schedule has a, a lot to do with it, um, but I don't think it has the most to do with it either. Um, meaning that over the course of the season, like with Georgia, even though it was a championship um, game and situation, they had had the lull of 12 straight weeks of beating crap, basically. You know, you had Ole Miss and Tennessee – then he finished with Georgia Tech, and, you know, you don't look great in that game. And it's just – they got – I think Georgia got themselves into a lull of just playing down to their opponent every single week. And whenever they got hit in the mouth, they really didn't know how to respond because, uh, you know, uh, the game was only three points, but I think Alabama dominated that game. Outside the first drive, Alabama just completely dominated that game. So – I think with a month to prepare, I'm not saying that you forget the teams that you played, but I'm just thinking that when you don't play for over a month or right around a month, you kind of forget what it's like to really get hit. Because I'm in mean, practice, you're in pads, you're thudding, you're knocking knocking each other around. But in a game, once you get hit again, then you're like, okay, let's get it on. So I'm not saying that it makes a huge difference that you don't play anybody or um, it doesn't make any difference. I'm kind of in the middle to where I can see it going both ways. If that makes sense. Because, um, when you know, once you get popped, once the pass thud on the first play, everything is like, all right, here we go. And you kind of forget about the 12, 13 games in the regular season. Then you just focus on the playoffs. That's that's kind of where I sit on it. But, uh, Lester, what do you think about all that strength of schedule stuff? Do you think it matters a ton or do you think it's irrelevant? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it matters. I mean, quality of competition um, is important. Um, there's a reason why year in and year out, people assume or people 
think and openly state a lot that the SEC is the best conference in the country, and it's been that way for the past 20, 25, I mean, as long as we've been alive. So, yeah, I think the strength of schedule and all the talk, it, it is legit, um, and it's definitely certain something to uh, pay attention to because it's real. There's clearly more talent down here. Alabama plays more talent day in and day out um, between themselves and their competition on Saturdays, and Michigan simply does not do that. Yeah, strength of schedule, um, the talent level, all that is real, and it, it's a factor. J-Law, Alabama, as they've had this win streak since the Texas loss, no, they haven't blown everybody out, but they've continued to win football games against good teams, sometimes in hostile environments. Um, Alabama preseason was an incredibly cocky team, in my opinion, all the way from media days up through interviews and fall camp. In my opinion, Alabama can't allow the cockiness to creep back into their team. Like I said, I thought preseason there was a ton of arrogance amongst the team, especially the offensive line and you know, it, it was almost even worse after the Texas game. And, you know, Booker saying, you know, we're pissed off, all that stuff. After they got their butt beat and gave the halfway effort, uh, you know, down in Tampa, they've continuously gotten better each week. It's almost like they got humbled. You absolutely cannot allow for that arrogance to come back into their minds. You have to have – you have to continue to have the thought process of, you know, we haven't done anything, we're an underdog, and they can – sustain the underdog mentality they'll be okay but what what's your opinion on that and maybe the mindset of this Alabama team heading into this week of practice and into the Rose Bowl yeah I talked to a few people who know a few people in the program and man they're they're using link I mean dude they're Saban is not letting this team forget that everybody quit on them I mean straight up I know you just got the sweatshirt for Christmas um I got a new kitchen instead, so I didn't get any Lank gear this year, but whatever. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't think Saban is letting these guys forget, and I don't think the leaders on this team are either. And I, I, I think Latham's a leader, Booker's a leader, but Milrow and Arnold, they're making sure that that people don't forget that everybody quit on you. We quit on them. I hate to say it, I didn't, not that I quit on them, but after, the, after USF, I don't think it was unreasonable to think that they could lose two to three more games. I mean, Vegas, Vegas's win total after the South Florida game, I think it was, I think that Alabama's win total went down to eight or eight and a half games for the season. So not only did we think it here on this podcast, those big lights out there that stay on 24 seven for a reason, they predicted that this team was going to win eight to nine games this year at most. Yeah. And it, it listen, unless if you thought Alabama after USF was going to be in the college football playoff, I'm not trying to say you don't know ball, but you, you, like we said, we said it. If this Crimson glasses. Crimson glasses. Right. But I mean, we yeah. also said, if, you, if this team doesn't drastically improve, they're going to go nine and three. What did they do? They drastically improved. So there you go. It's not that everybody was wrong about them, but there's a lot of people that quit on it. We didn't stop rooting for them. It's just the fact that they were so bad in back-to-back ball games, and you look at that tough schedule, it was gonna be like it was a hill climb to even think about winning the SEC West. So, I mean, but I don't think Saban's um, letting them forget it. They have, they were kind of like Georgia. Like, remember Georgia trying to play the underdog last year? People thought we were going six and six. No, Alabama is that team. Alabama is the team that everybody thought was about to go 
nine and three, eight and four, but they got better each and every week, and now they're kind of peaking. So I, I think that they're able to keep that underdog mentality because of that, because the leaders on this team aren't going to let them think. I'm not saying they're going to go out and beat Michigan or blow them out or anything, but they're going to play with a chip on their shoulder. And I, I still think there's a lot of guys on this team that ha that have stuff to prove. You got to remember – you got dudes that are trying to play themselves in the first round. Terry on Arnold, a lot of people are saying he still may not be a, a surefire first-round draft pick. I don't know why they're saying that. Latham, I know he's probably first round, but, you know, there's a big difference between getting picked 26th and 6th. I mean, there's like a lot of guys with a lot of stuff to prove here in the playoffs and about this team. So I think they're able to hold on to that mentality of, like, let all naysayers know. Let all naysayers know. Well, Lester, let's get into it, man. Give me a uh, a breakdown of how you think this Bama-Michigan game is going to go and give me your Rolls Bowl score prediction. Um, I think that um, Alabama has more speed than Michigan has seen all year. Um, I believe that the offense will dominate because – I'm hoping that Tommy Reese has had a month to get further in his bag, come up with a little bit more – well, maybe not a little bit more creativity, but a little bit – do do things to help the offense execute better. I don't see any way how this Michigan team can stop, completely stop, or slow down this offense enough to where Alabama should even be a threat to maybe lose this game. Um, defensively, Michigan does nothing special offense. I think our off, our defense would be able to feast. I'm hoping for a non-offensive touchdown in this game. I believe that – I think the spread is what, Michigan um, minus one and a half right now? Yeah, I think it's two, um, yeah, one and a half or two, something like that. Somewhere yeah, I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't – close to the game time, I bet that shifts to Bama minus one. But I'm going to give a 34-21 a kind of score, 31-24. Um, I want to say 31-17, but um, I, I, I think that we've we've doubted this team enough, and they know it, and I think that they're extremely motivated. Michigan is a really, really good team, but I don't think they just match up well. So I'm going to say 31-24, um, Bama. All right, so is it 31-24, 31-20, or 31-17? I heard all three of those. 31-24 is okay, but the other two are pretty stout. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll go 31-24 uh, because, okay. um, you know, you can always count for That's you know reasonable. Maybe give them a short field or something like that. But I, <laughs> in, my, in my heart, I believe that the margin of victory was bigger than that. But for the sake of the pod, as a, as a, as a decent score prediction, I'll say 31-24. Uh, yeah, yeah, all right. Um, you know, Bama, Michigan, it, it's so hard to predict this game. It was so hard for me to predict it. There's a we mentioned the external factors around the Michigan program, recruiting violations, Bama hiring your linebacker coach, Harbaugh to the NFL. Bama has done a good job or lucky job, I guess, of limiting their external factors. Um, usually you see two or three coaches that have taken other jobs and six or seven guys have hit the portal. Both categories have been relatively quiet. Excuse me, which uh, which helps Alabama. Um, if it's I mentioned earlier, if it's 2011, 2012, I'd call Bama by 21. But Alabama has gone slightly more finesse in their front seven recruiting because of the spread era. Um, that plays into the hands of Michigan. 
Alabama doesn't have a defensive line that's going to stalemate the line of scrimmage every single play and stop a 22 personnel that we started or that we talked about at the start of the podcast. Um, but defensively, I don't think Michigan has seen anything like Alabama. You know, Ohio State had, you know, an elite receiver, but a slightly above average quarterback. And I think that might be pushing it a little bit. Um, Milro and, and Tommy Reese have been clicking. Um, Milro's getting more creative. And with the month to prepare, that should give Bama fans confidence on the offensive side of the ball. Um, as far as a prediction, I think the key to this game is can Bama shut down the run, of course. Um, J.J. McCarthy's passing yards the last four games have been 147, 148, 141, and 60. Was that Penn State that me and J.Lo were talking about earlier? Those four games were – include three ranked teams, the only three ranked teams that that uh, Michigan played all season. That tells me whenever Michigan plays in big games, they want to lean on the run. They want to lean on that offensive line. I know Bama doesn't have the horses up front that they used to, but look, there's no better coach at shutting down a good run game than Nick Saban, right? <laughs> Lester mentioned that earlier. Give me Bama by a tutty, 27-20. J-Law, what you got? Oh, it's it's wider than that, Michigan. You gotta think, man. Like, oh man, top, he's calling calling the blowout, dude. Call they're, it. it. They're a top fifteen scoring offense, but they are seventieth in total offense. It means they're playing a lot of short fields. Really, playing, I I yeah. didn't know that. Say that again. Say that again. They are a top fifteen in scoring offense, uh-huh. but they are seventieth in total offense. How does that even happen? Because they're they play a bunch of teams that suck. Unless they're playing teams with no talent. They're they're getting a lot of short fields. They force a lot of turnovers against very mid competition, and that's how. And that, some of that is short field. Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah, there's, they don't have to get as many yards to score points, but Alabama's not a team that's going to give Michigan the ball on the 15 yard line four times unless we go back to week two. I mean, like that's that's just I just don't see that happening. Um, how does Michigan contain Jalen Milrow? How do they cover Isaiah Bond? How do they cover Amari Nyblag? Who tackles Jam Miller? You know, Paul Paul Bryant used to say, for every freshman that plays, that's a loss. Well, I look at it as how many white people are playing on your defense. How are you going to stop Alabama? And there's just too, there's just too many, dude. There is like you, you're not going to be able. This this gives me so much Notre Dame natty vibes in 2012. You so can't yeah, score on these. Just dudes. speed, la- la- so lack yeah. of speed. Yeah, lack of yeah, speed. Yeah, I mean, they're just, they're just, no, nobody has had a touchdown drive of 75 yards or more against Notre Dame, Alabama, first drive. Nobody's had a rush. Nobody scored a rushing touchdown on Notre Dame this year, Alabama, first drive. I mean, like, they, Alabama knocked off every statistic that everybody used to tell me that Notre Dame was going to win that game within three minutes of the first quarter. Three. All of them were gone. I mean, I'm just saying, like, I don't see how Michigan holds up in this game. Listen, offensive line, they're good. You can have as many white dudes on that right there as you want to. You can have a Joey Bosa every now and then, but when you're looking at Michigan, when you're looking at the talent, I think they got, like, four four-stars that start for them. Like, let me, let me rephrase that. Four guys that were ranked in the top, like, 300 or higher. As yeah, I'll, uh, I did that breakdown for y'all. I'll find it real quick while you're talking. Keep going. Yeah, find that, find that. And J.J. McCarthy's one of them. Um, one of their receivers is one of them. They got a really good safety, I believe, or a corner. He was one of them. But other than that, like position by position, like where do they stack up? 
J.J. McCarthy, to me, is not a better quarterback than Jalen Milrow. He has less weapons to throw to than Jalen Milrow. I just don't see how, when you look at position by position, where they're going to be better. This, this is a fact. These will be the easiest guys that Caden Proctor has had to block in the last, outside of Chattanooga, since the USF game. I mean, like, th like these, this is, uh, to me, like, I just don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know if Alabama's going to score 37 because I do give Michigan credit for only giving up, like, 9.5 points per game. I don't care who you are. That's really good, even if you are playing Indiana and Nebraska and some other teams on those lines. But I, I, I like Alabama in this one. I think Alabama can get to 31. I don't know how Michigan gets to 20. So I'm going to go 31-17 Bama, a 14-point dub in the Rose Bowl. Um, and I don't think it's a late touchdown at the end either. I think Alabama's got this one. I think it feels like it's in hand with about eight minutes to go in the fourth. Yeah. Um, I was at the church, I'd be putting some money in the collection plate. <laughs> yeah, get it done, J-Law. Um, Have y'all seen Saban in these games? Yeah, the, the the first round playoff game is the new Nick Saban and the BCS championship game. Or, or it's like you know, I, I compare it to the first game of the season. Like that's why Alabama is so dominant first yep. game of the season because he prepares for you. It doesn't matter if you're Middle Tennessee State; he prepares for you all summer long. Now, Steve Sarkeesian this year, that's why they look like trash against Rice this year. He was preparing for Bama all summer long, which you know. Um, but anyway. Nick Saban was preparing for Middle Tennessee State. It's something that we hate to start the season and maybe like pre-Iron Bowl because if you can't tell, um, Hugh Freeze was preparing for Alabama a ton. He, he got his ass up by New Mexico State and uh, gave Alabama all they wanted. Meanwhile, Alabama hangs 60 on Chattanooga because they prepared for him like the, they preparing for Michigan because that's just the way Saban's done it. He's never going to change. But this is comparable to me to the uh, the first game of the season. And so they, they, that gives me a little confidence as well. Yeah, and that's what I think, too. It's like this this first-round playoff game is the new BCS championship game outside of Ohio State, which we went as far as Blake Sims would take us. I mean, that, that that's kind of outside of the fact. But I just I, – I like it 31, 17. I know Lester thinks that's a little high. But, dude, go look at Alabama in these games. They've blown out Michigan State. They've blown out Look, Clemson. They've. I want to predict a three touchdown win, but I'm, I'm not going to do it. It's the I, closest. I it's the closest game we've. It's the closest yeah, game right. we've had in the playoff against Cincinnati in the first round outside of Ohio State in 2014. I'm still pissed about the Cincinnati game because that's one of those games where you need to put those guys in the dirt, run the score up, and quit hitting these little pity pat teams. Look, you beat Cincinnati by forty. TCU ain't in the playoff last year. Alabama. Yeah. Do not be surprised if Alabama is blowing these. Georgia defensive linemen were on their backs, buddy. I'm telling you, do not be surprised if Alabama plays this game very similarly to how they played Cincinnati, where hat on a hat. How are they going to stop us? I yeah. don't know. 31 17. Yep. I, and that's going to be so frustrating because they're, they're going to win by. To win, to win the Rose Bowl? Yeah, yeah I'm going to be pissed. They're going to win we, by. Lester, we can win two to nothing and I'll be gassed up. Sure. Absolutely. But they're going to win by. Let's, uh, if they win by seven, we'll outgain them by 200 yards. That's fine. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's going to be great. But Steve's going to be so conservative in that game. But I don't mind because, you know, you got to. I'll say something for Texas, but <laughs> run the quarterback. That that Jalen Milrow, like I understand Michigan's got a good defense. 
I get they 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 do have a good defense, but what is the equalizer? Run the quarterback. Make them guard the whole field. Make it eleven on eleven football. Make it tough on them. I mean, we didn't run Jalen against Georgia until the final drive of the game. When we needed to put the game away. We didn't run him against Auburn. We ran him against Tennessee and LSU, and we went on. I mean, offensively, we exploded for six quarters. Let's get back to it. Yeah, I mean, if he gets injured, you've got Ty Butner right there. He's ready with his lacrosse stick. He's going to go in there and start dropping dimes. Um, that was a whole situation, by the way. If he'd have given – like, they'd have let Ty play with the lacrosse stick. I mean, that's what he was missing in South Florida. If they let him play with the lacrosse stick, you know, Milrose on the bench for the rest of the season. Um, but Jay, I'm not I, saying get him. I'm not saying get him hurt. I'm just saying – No, but look, whenever you we, – we've talked about this. Whenever you run him – you're you're raising the risk, and we're not saying it's a guarantee that you're going to get him hurt. But I, I've talked about this a couple of weeks ago, maybe it's before the Iron Bowl or Georgia. I can't remember, but I said if you run him, of course you're you're raising the risk. There is a higher risk of him getting injured the more he runs the football. But at the same time, you're also trying to maximize your offense's potential. And so for me, as a fan watching, if Milrow was to get hurt running the football, I would not like be like, Reese, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. I, I would be like, okay, you know, that happens. When you have a running quarterback, he is bound to get hurt every single week. Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, um, Patrick Mahomes runs around a lot. They can get popped and be done for the season, and there's nothing you can say about it because what makes those guys great is their ability to run the ball. So, you know, I'm not saying he's going to get hurt, but I am saying it's going to raise the risk. And if he was to get hurt running the ball, I'd be like, all right, you know, you're doing what you do best. Like, as everybody can talk about, he's got a good deep ball. ball. No, that's some bitch's legs. That's his biggest asset. You can argue with the wall. When that some bitch takes off, he's the fastest guy on the field, and everybody on the other side goes, oh, shit. Yeah, it's not like two of breaking his hip. Like, oh, oh man, God, we, could, no. we, didn't, we didn't need to roll him out of the pocket. Like, that's what Jalen Milrow does. And, like – that's what I'm saying. Nobody gets mad when Bo Scarborough gets hurt against Clemson because we gave him the ball too many times. Like that, that's what's gonna win us the game. And if we lose the game because we're giving our best player the football, then then so be it. Jalen Mil listen, Jalen Milrow is the best athlete on this offense. There's no doubt. He is a he is a playmaker. And you're in the college football playoff now. Hey, now, unless you think you, unless you think that you can win this game with, with Jalen Milrow being uh Slight run threat, keeps it on a couple zone reads and throws it and hands it off. Okay. But if you think that you're going to need his athleticism to win and you sit on it, I, I don't, I think that's dumb. This is the college football playoff. This is it. You've made it here. It, it's time to win the games. And if you, if you, Jalen Miller gets hurt in a game that you need him to run in, like Chase said, it is what it is. You got to throw Ty Simpson out there and hope for the best against Wisconsin or Texas if you get, if you do get past Michigan. JL, I've answered your question from earlier, top 200 players, because, you know, recruiting rankings mean everything, right? Uh, obviously, kidding. They mean a lot. But, yes. Well, I guess we're going to find out. <laughs> but, you know, Michigan's got a lot of guys in the portal. You know, like I said, fourth, fifth-year seniors, they're just everywhere uh, on this roster. It's the most experienced team in college football, besides maybe Washington. I think they said Washington had 13 sixth-year players on their roster. I'm like, Damn. But uh, anyway, top 200 players coming out of high school in the national recruiting rankings. Michigan has four on offense and three on defense. 
Now, those rated at a high school lower than 300, there's four on offense and five on defense. So there's more guys that are going to suit up for these guys that were rated 300th or lower coming out of high school than higher. So take, you know, make that what, you know, whatever you want to make out of that, you can. I don't put too much stock into it because whenever you're 23 years old, 24 years old, and you're playing against 18, 19 year olds, your body's different then, man. I mean, it's. I put, I put so much stock into that yeah, because I've seen it a kabillion times. And, you know, your Notre Dame analogy was really good. I just like the sixth year. If you're a six year senior, why? Yeah, you're a six year senior for a reason, right? It's because the NFL doesn't want you. Like Cam Rising is coming back to Utah next year and he'll be good. But guess what? There's a reason why you're 26 playing college football. Stetson Bennett is the only one I could think of where I was like, this bastard needs to go. <laughs> he needs to leave. Like he would just beat you. But who else was? I mean, like, dude, you're not. Has Alabama, does Alabama have one fifth-year guy out there right now? We got one. Uh, a boy being because of the medical? Yeah, he Maybe. broke his neck and yeah. broke his neck last year. I mean, like that's literally it. I mean, right. there's a reason why Alabama's – listen, Alabama's got five, four first-round, three first-round draft picks, maybe four, depending on Deontay Lawson. So we're not talking about four guys that were in the ESPN 200. We're talking about four guys that are going to go in the top 32 of the NFL draft next year. I just don't see it, man. I'm way more scared of Texas than I obviously they've already beat us once, but then I then I would be about Michigan. I actually, if you think about it, I would say that Alabama's likelihood of winning a first round game in the playoff would be the highest over Michigan, more than Washington and more than Texas. Really? Okay. And they're underdogs, which is impressive, dude. I mean, I don't think Michigan. Are we still a dog about. right now? Yeah. Yeah, uh, one and a half, yeah. two point underdog. You know, I think big money goes to Bama late. I don't think we'll see any line shifts to maybe Sunday night or Monday throughout the day. I would be surprised if it's not at least a pick 'em before kickoff time. Um, if not, Bama minus one, but we'll see. Um, so yeah, how about the underdog right now? I, these people, man, do they make watch it, ball? Make- <laughs> Money, they're not predicting wins and losses. I promise you, they're trying to make money. All that late money gonna flood in Alabama and it's gonna flip the line a little bit. Yeah, <clears throat> do y'all want to predict the other playoff game as well? Washington, Texas. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the spread is. Last time I checked, it was Texas minus four, so we'll just go with that. I don't know if it's moved any at all. I'm sure it hasn't, but yeah, and the over under is like 70. Oh, it's gonna be great, dude. I, you know, I, I, I think Washington covers. I really do. I'm not saying they're gonna win, but I think maybe Texas can win by a field goal. Maybe, you know, something like 35, 34. I could easily see that. Um, dude, these are the two best, the two best offensive schemers in the country, and you're giving them a month to prepare for each other. This is gonna be a great game to watch if you're an offensive football fan. And see what's crazy is the fun part is they they don't have a bye week before they have to play the natty. You know how teams like in the past, like, yeah, you know, seven days. Yeah, Bama play. You know, well, you know, Bama like Bama playing Cincinnati. Like, dude, come on, like, you know, like teams get like some teams have the easier first game. Buddy, Bama's play- got a bye week this week. Don't worry. 
No, that's my point. That's what I'm saying. Washington and Texas both have to focus so much on each other because their offenses are so dynamic. Yeah, was it uh, was it 2016 that Clemson played like Notre Dame in the first round, and they claimed that they watched like they prepped for Clemson or uh, for Notre Dame for like one week, and then just started working on Bama because Bama had Washington. Was that that year? It, it was something like that. There was, there was even a worse example. Yeah, that, that was the year. They tore us up. It was either 2016 or 2018. Yeah. Listen, when you're going to play, like, t- to me, defensively, when you're going to play a game like this against Michigan, it's either you line up and stop it or you don't. Like, what scheme are you calling to do this? I'm not saying that you can look ahead because Saban never would. But if you were Dabo, you're like, all right, we're running 3-4 out here this week, baby. Let's practice for Bama because if we can't stop this with our three four, we ain't winning anyways. So let's get ready for. I mean, that's that's the type of mentality a lot of other coaches have, and I don't blame them. That's why yep. Dabo's got two rings. Yeah, um, who, do y'all, who do y'all have winning uh, Washington, Texas? Washington. Ooh. Oh, I like Texas, man. I just think I that... think Texas wins, but I think Washington gets under the four. I think it's the, a thirty. The... I think it's a thirty-four, thirty-one, or maybe thirty-eight, thirty-five, or thirty-eight, thirty-seven, something like that. I think it's tight. I think which people thinking I won't, I won't I won't Washington. Yeah, I would love Washington to win. There's no doubt, but I think that Texas is just ugh. the better team. Rarely loses these games. Like, is Michigan the only team lately that lost a first round playoff game that wasn't that was just better? Like last year, Michigan lost. They are better. They should have beat TCU. I have no idea what happened last year. I don't know. They're like I the like, only one. I like to think Bama 2014 was better than Ohio State. I would love to play that game again. I mean, Ohio State just made crazy big plays, and Bama just made costly mistakes in that game. But yeah, I mean, yeah. but I'm just trying to think like Georgia beat Oklahoma that year, 2017. Yeah, I, I mean, like they're the game. the better team never really loses these games. Yeah. And I just think Texas is a little better. I don't know, man. Washington beat Oregon twice. Oregon was be fun. A shoe in. All right, y'all got anything else before we wrap it up here? Yeah. Um, I'm Roll currently five for fifth in the bowl picking contest. So, you know, now I've got a little tough competition. You're first, there. right, Lester? I think we got about a about a ten no. ten way ten way tie for first as of right yeah. now. I know yeah, we got some bowl games going on, so I think you'll see some movement. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think the leaders right now are fifteen and seven. Um, so everybody yeah. keep so, keep grinding out there and fun. This is nursing sticker once in a while. So yeah, pre- and pre- appreciate everybody who uh, signed up and yep. decided to play. So yeah, yep. All right, Jay Long, you good? Yeah, I'm good. Just don't look at my picks. I was way <laughs> I was way better on the bet of the week than I have been on both. We won't say we won't <laughs> say where you're ranked till the end. <laughs> hey, you got time, man. We'll make up for it. But uh yeah, we appreciate everybody stopping in and uh and giving us a listen. Um roll tide, you know, beat Michigan. Um Episode 104, Gumprunners Podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot the number of the episode. Yeah, episode 104, Gumprunners Podcast. Chase Thornton, Jeremy Law, Lester Mitchell. We're out of here. See y'all.